What's up? Oh yeah, last time I didn't introduce the show. Um, that was the whole thing. Look, they they're gonna know what. <laughs> yeah, look they at know your phone. Now. Look at your phone. I do all the metadata. Like, what else do you fucking want? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's because like I was reading something earlier yesterday. I think uh, about someone describing how you go viral on Twitter, and a lot of it has to do with keywords. Oh. At least that's what they were saying. And so I was like, so maybe that also has an effect. I, I metadata the shit. Yeah. My, my uh, immaterial, unnoticed metadata labor um, that I put into the podcast, including tagging all the subjects of the episodes. That's so real, though. I mean, that's the like, librarian. That's like... That's what like YouTubers <laughs> talk about constantly. It's like making sure you have all the tags, and then also you don't want to have the wrong tags, and you get demonetized. Like, but then their, but then their titles are like as simple as possible. Like, let's do this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like eyeliner look today. And and with that, that is how we're very meta, uh, the very meta opening of art and labor of the podcast. It's a movie now, and now it sounds like a movie. I'm OK Fox, joined by Darcy Wilder and Sarah Crow, my co-hosts, and special guests in in this um, uh, Hillary Clinton app that we use to record nowadays. Um, not in studio is uh, Liz Pelly and David Turner. Liz Pelly of um, formerly of Silent Barn and uh, regularly writes for the the Baffler and. Uh, fuck the media, who can forget? Uh, fucking, uh, you know, veteran of uh, what some call DIY culture, what others call community art spaces. Um, David Turner, of course, returning champion to art and labor, <laughs> classic uh, music and labor episode. Uh, basically a music historian, I'm comfortable <laughs> saying. I don't know if he is. But uh, he does the newsletter Penny Fractions, uh, of course, referring to the fractions of pennies that artists are paid on these uh, media platforms. How's everyone doing? Vibing, vibing, doing good, doing good. Also, I work at SoundCloud, which I just like saying, which I wanted to sort of just say because I think it's very funny. <laughs> yeah, I None don't think you disclosed that before. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I did. I don't think I, I think the first time I was on, I forgot to say that. Yeah, no, none of the thoughts you hear have anything to do with SoundCloud or our, or our previous investor, SiriusXM, or the, I think, a Singaporean investment firm that also invests in us. Like, oh, fuck we have yeah. all the best money just flowing, flowing in our veins. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> God. <laughs> yes, and Liz, of course, um, writes regularly. Um, about Spotify and uh, about like music monetization. Um, I was quoted on a recent one that we linked in the show. Um, and uh, she has a new piece out um, in Real Real Life Mag. It seems like an interesting magazine. I'd never heard of it. It's a uh, Snapchat funded. That's true. This is true. Yeah. But from what I've heard, they uh, they let real life Mag do. You know, they're just like in the corner, uh, doing whatever they want, trying not to be, probably trying not to be too popular, so that Snapchat doesn't remember they're funding them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, in my circle, it's popular. It's a great Mag. Love their content. Some real good stuff. It sounded like a diss, but I was just. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, the thing is, it's like, you know, this episode, Liz's piece is called um, socialized streaming. And it's, it's a, about like alternatives to these funding models. So it's like every time we talk about these companies that we've taken checks from and um, are being critical of, it's always a weird line to tread. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Liz, why don't you tell us a little bit about like, the the backbones of the piece, like how, maybe how you initially came to it. Yeah, totally. So like you mentioned, I have been on a similar beat that as David the past few years, you know, covering the uh, intricacies of the music streaming economy and the shifting music industry and um, the effects on music communities and artists. And I think it was la late last year, it was just becoming pretty clear that um, it was time to start exploring some ideas of how we, you know, press forward or what, what comes next or, you know, connecting the dots to some bigger picture sort of, um, uh, visions for what would be better. Um, I don't know. I feel like it was becoming clear that to put the conversation about Spotify and what's so messed up about streaming like into a bigger context, like there also has to be like thinking happening about like what would be better. Um, and I think, I don't know how David feels about this, but I feel like for a while, you know, talking about like alternatives just felt like very tricky because there always would just be like some tech bro in the corner, like waiting for whatever ideas were mentioned to kind of like, you know, decide that that was going to be the idea for like the next app or whatever. <laughs> so it's like, okay, we need to think of alternatives that aren't just like, um, that actually rethink like the, the broader political context of streaming and how people distribute music online. Um, that could perhaps have like a, a structure in like existing publicly accountable institutions such as a library that you talk about, for example. Yeah, totally. And I, I also think um, over the past year, the con I've kind of talked about this a few times already, so I'll try to like keep it short. But um, I think the conversation has really shifted where people that are like really big fans of music have started realizing like, okay, like streaming doesn't compensate the artists that I care about. So I should buy my MP3s on Bandcamp and I should support artists directly. And like that is like an important shift. But um, I think it's kind of like a short-term solution. And I think it's important to kind of like pair those. I think it's important to keep in mind too, that it's a temporary solution because right now Bandcamp is a very altruistic company that could change. A lot of things change, especially on a, if we're thinking about the long term. Yeah. I, I've thought a lot about when I interviewed you for the Spotify, the piece about podcasting on Spotify, we were talking about Bandcamp and you said something along the lines, like, why can't more of these pe people running corporations be like the band camp people whose their bellies are full and <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> also, band camp is like the one we have 
it's like whenever there's the one angel, it's gonna it's little they can the altruism can run dry. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, pa Patreon was sometimes that for people, and yeah. like I think we talked about this, David, last time you were on. But like, it's not fair that like you know people were up in arms originally when Patreon was like we're gonna up our cut. But then when they framed it like, oh, we're, we're only going to up our cut for new people. <laughs> like, that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's basically they did the classic like union busting thing where they were like just created two tiers. I mean, mm -hmm. the big, I mean, basically the independent contractor gig economy thing, but just for Patreon, which is like really, which is really fucked, like really fucked up. But yeah, no, I mean, that's true. It's like there really only seems to be in like music context, like band camp. And then that's kind of like it. I always find it very, okay. I always find it very funny whenever people combine Bandcamp and SoundCloud because I'm always like, oh, I feel like those are like really, really different things with very different audiences. But I actually have sort of learned that that is actually not entirely true. They are kind of like, a, there is like a little bit of overlap there. But like what I've been thinking about more recently is that 10 years ago, I, for some reason I was thinking of Das Racist, the like rap group. Um, like the, like They're like, very critical artists. Yeah, and I, and I feel like very, a bit, a bit prescient. But like I was thinking of them and they put out mixtapes just like, on their website and I just kind of forgot what it was like to be able to get music without it being mediated at all by any other platforms like mm -hmm. which is something that seems like in a digital context not in a physical context, but like in an actual digital one where I wasn't on Apple or Spotify or Amazon or whatever I could just go download this mixtape similar to like that pit for like mixtapes like for, for in the rap context I kind of feel like even like the as much as people like Bandcamp I still just wish bands had just websites I could just go to. I would be much preferred to go to that and have that experience than having to everything be the flat band camp, like but, art. Well, and, yeah. And well, what Web 2.0 did was create middlemen. Yeah. They created middlemen to things that originally could have been um, more open source and more um, distributed. And, and even if it, we did go back to like the website, uh, it would still be dependent, I think, on a search engine. Yeah. It's just now that. Bandcamp has, you know, that and uh, that would just be like MySpace in maybe the aughts was like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very um, true. That's very true. Yeah. The Neutral Milk Hotel website in like 2004 was like a really fantastic website because it was all in super basic HTML and like just Times New Roman everything. And then, yeah, they had like five MP3s on their MP3 page that you could get. Yeah, there's so much fun. Like when I was a kid, the fucking gorillas website was a like choose your own adventure style, yeah. like, like Odyssey that would like change all the time. And like, you could like do all sorts of like, it's like, nobody's using their imaginations like that, like <laughs> very often. No. Yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> sorry, that just reminded me of when I saw one of my like first shows in 2004, I saw a band and I didn't have any money to buy the Scarlet Letters CD. And then in 2017, uh, fuck, what's the website where people track their their CD collections? And there's like a selling. Last FM. Disc no. Wait, Discogs. Yeah, Discogs. Oh. I got it off Discogs. You know, like over a decade later, and I listen to it regularly now. Uh, so that's a happy ending. Oh, for everyone. Good job. <laughs>
Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what we, we lose track of like, you know, the, the, the big boys, the big telecom companies too, they are constantly separating us on these tier systems. Like, um, you know, certain it's, it's, it's divided along like class and racial lines, like, you know, people who have been grandfathered into Verizon, who have like had access to cell phones longer have better deals with Verizon's that 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 gets like inherited um down the line in weird ways yeah i mean it's like my cousin who's almost 40 with three kids and married i think may or may not still be on like his aunt like his mom's like cell phone plan just because like why not yeah, you might now, as well just be on the best thing you're ever gonna get it's mm -hmm. uh, now it's common for like uh early millennials who are pushing 40 to still be on it because like that's the first generation I I'd do that. that. I'd rather yeah. pay my mom or dad uh, 20 bucks than get I've actually my dad kicked me off their plan. And then I was on my own plan for it, uh, triple, almost triple the price. And then I was like, Mom, could I get <laughs> also <laughs> uh, Apple music streaming. If you get the family plan, I have friends that are very upset that if they leave that, they lose all their playlists. And also, uh, it connected their Raya, so um, <laughs> so their dad was getting charged for their Raya account, um, which now they left Raya for that. Um, what is Raya again? I'm sorry. Oh, it's this terrible, like, elitist dating app for people oh, who okay. only, like, you know, it's like, oh, you work in media, you can't be on Tinder, and it's like a bunch of... Uh, it's not a good place. <laughs> oh, and it's eight dollars a month. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm full of non sequiturs. <laughs> but just that baked in, like you can't, you can never leave type stuff. Um, yeah. I yeah. went from Spotify to Apple and changed all my playlists there, and then slowly from Apple went back to my MP3 library, and it's a lot of labor to get that art. Art. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was kind of, um, oh, sorry, talking about like, you know, the, the article and how like, you know, there's like these like short term solutions, like buying MP3s directly from artists, like rebuilding your MP3 library, like Bandcamp, Patreon, whatever. And then these like long term visions, which were sort of like starting to get unpacked in the article. Like I talked about this proposal for a taxpayer funded um, streaming service that um, kind of like building off of this idea proposed by um, Henderson Cole, who runs the alternative. And then I talked about like libraries starting to like host local streaming services. But um, I, at some point in the conversation, Darcy, I'm like really interested in hearing more about like your experience, like moving back to rebuilding your MP3 library, because I feel like that also is like a really important part of the conversation. Like I too also like have been like rebuilding my MP3 library the past year. And it's been such a more rewarding way to like listen to music digitally than just prior that I had mostly been relying on like the Bandcamp streaming app. And um, yeah, I just, it's just like such yeah. a better way to listen to music on the computer. It is. It was directly influenced by your work too. Cause I knew that I'd, I, I, I knew that the, the the things I was using weren't good, but I never thought I didn't, didn't realize that I could just, you know, not use them. And then I hooked up my old computer. This was late 2017. 
And I was like, whoa, all of these things, like, like MP3s that I like worked really hard to get, which sounds so ridiculous, but it was these prized, dumb, I don't know, folk punk stuff where it was like, oh, I got the, it's like from live journal communities, which like I, uh, you know, didn't pay for uh, a lot of them um, because it was the aughts uh, and I was a child, but which I, you know, feel guilty. Oh, bit now, but anyway, yeah. So now it's more, way, way more rewarding. I do miss the playlists I made as like a kid. Um, I have some on CDs. Uh, I have, uh, you know, my dad kicked my stuff out of his apartment, so now I have all my, uh, you know, CDs. I threw out a lot of them during a Spark Joy thing, and I kind of, you know, I regret it. Um, even though there's a lot of like, you know, terrible pop punk. 2001 2002 type stuff i i treasure um, i personally treasure my um uh mixed cds of anime openings limp biscuit and um yes of eminem or whatever the fuck it was like whatever, you gotta put any every mood on it when you're on the subway because sometimes it's sad but then sometimes what if you get hyped <laughs> so it's just these like chaotic cds Oh yeah, but so like just just being able to scroll and find stuff. Um, I also, you know, the, those guys that sell stuff on tarps on the sidewalk. I bought. I just like he. I mean, you know, and like where do they come? It's like it's likely stolen, but it was also it's a CD booklet. I got like three huge CD booklets. Oh, um, for like I don't know, I gave him like twenty five dollars uh, for a lot, and just being able to flip through that and seeing it. Whereas when I was like on streaming apps, it was like I was lost at sea, and I would just listen to whatever I had just listened to, which was you know in the recently whatever. Um, and I mean, I also like spruced up my iPod again but since it doesn't have it doesn't fit everything I don't use it as much um and it's harder to scroll but uh yeah just being reacquainted with this music that I don't know even like if I'll listen to music on YouTube it does the same thing as all the other things where it just re recommends what I have already listened to and like I don't need to hear Phoebe Bridger's motion sickness again after every single like, it is permanently in, like, the recommended thing. Wait, that's literally, like, how I ever heard Phoebe Bridgers for the first time, was that it would always come up on YouTube. Like, after I listened to something, <laughs> it would always just be Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah. Phoebe Bridgers, you have 24 hours to respond. What was on everybody's childhood mixed CDs? Uh, Liz, you go first. <laughs> wow, what year? Like, yeah, just, like, what? some of your favorites. Name a couple artists. High school, me. middle school, college. High school. High school. Yeah, let's do high. high school. Okay. Um, well, I guess it really depends on the year because in ninth grade, I was really into like the bench Straylight Run. Like the Straylight Run Yahoo group was my central place that I hung out on the internet. Um, there were a, like a, they were a band on Long Island that was people that were in Taking Back Sunday who um, went in more of like a piano rock direction. Um, but I also was really into like, Taking Back Sunday and like Drive Through Records. The band The Ataris was my first favorite band in seventh grade. Um, yeah. And as I progressed through high school, it was like, you know, um, actually, I was just the other day telling someone about how I had there was like this substitute teacher that was like, oh, you like um, Taking Back Sunday? You should definitely check out Bjork. <laughs> <laughs> There's a straight line. Let's go. Like, it was like, 
He was like, you should definitely check out B- Bjork and Cat Power. And then like Cat Power became my favorite musician. And he was totally just trying to be like, dude, like don't listen to the music you're listening to. Um, and I, I actually really appreciate it in retrospect, but yeah, then I got really so, okay, I feel bad because for me, I, I did my middle school ones and so my high school ones were more like uh, uh, like Blood Brothers and related bands, Gravy Train and related bands. Great. Like that, that, that was me in high school. I was much more interesting. I, that just brought me back to being in the library, listening to Gravy Train, like the most chaotic experience across what like the table train? from... Oh my god! Nice. Gravy Train is a California-based like queer pop. Band. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, now, what's their new What's their new band that um, they uh, played before the pandemic? And I missed the it. Fucking um, Hunks and his Punks and yeah. Um, oh okay. Yeah. Uh, they're great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> what was yours, David? Um. Okay. Let me think. In high school, ah, I guess like at some point in high school, there, like, there are two memories in my head. Is one was like. I, this is less a mix CD and it's more of like a mixtape sort of fuck up with it. I remember I downloaded Lil Wayne's like the 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 Drought Three, like it's like one of his big like super popular mixtapes in like high school, and like the version I had was the wrong one, which I just like didn't realize. So I started looking at the Wikipedia page one time and I'm just like, oh, this is just like, and then I like listened to the song. And I was like, oh, this is just like different. This is just like a different thing that I listened to when I was, I guess, like fifteen and sixteen, and which is like fine. I mean, it actually is kind of cool. What was it? Um, it was like it was just like a different track listing. That's the thing. It was like one of those things where like mixtape just had really different track listings. I love Um, that shit. Yeah, and then I guess like actually, yeah, this is like kind of like a this is not high school. This is middle. No, this is college. But also, it's not a mixed CD. It's just a weird rap internet thing. Okay, I guess like for context, I was like a big rap nerd. I say was because rap. It's really hard to listen to, to now. It just makes me too sad. <laughs> like, I can't listen to teenagers talk about whatever they're talking about. It just, like, it just bums me out. <laughs> like, most rap music is just basically people just being really, really down. And it's, like, really, really depressing to me. Um, but I was, like, really into, like, this rap blog that was run by this dude, ASAP Yams, who was, like, the former manager of ASAP Rocky, who's, like, since passed away. I think maybe, like, what was it, maybe like five, five, six years ago at this point? And like he had this old Tumblr called Real Nigga Tumblr. And that Tumblr was wild, but also shout to Tumblr. That's how, that's why I'm here, like Tumblr. Um, and I remember he would always have these like sort of like compilations where he would basically find like the best versions of like Gucci Mane songs or like other rappers and just have like these like high quality MP3 compilations that he would just sort of make. And I'm just sort of remembering this thinking like, oh yeah, that was like a thing. That felt a little, and maybe also I'm probably just not as attuned to that world of the of like rap internet anymore, which is probably my fault. But I kind of like miss when people would sort of like have a favorite artist, and instead of like making playlists or doing that, they're like, okay, let me like find the best MP3, put them together. Also, them. find the rarities. Like I yes. was on a Gaia yes. Online Oingo Boingo fan form looking for rarities. Yeah, <laughs> that's my life. The, the closest thing to me recently that I... Okay, if I actually had a CD player or a car or anything that would necessitate this, I would have made a mixed CD, CD of this. Was was Playboy Cardi. Like, Playboy Cardi leaks, like, the last few years have been, like, one of the only, like, really fun mainstream music things just because it's kids who basically will pay, like, who will just hunt for leaks in ways that are probably, so, probably illegal and sometimes bad. But it's, like, cool. It's, like, okay, cool. Like, someone has, like... 
there are four different versions of a song where he just says a couple ad libs, and people are like obsessed with getting the, getting the full version. Like, I, I really, really I like have that. three different versions of "Good for Your Soul" by Oingo Boingo. I have three different um, recordings. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I really sound. like. I, yeah, that's the kind of stuff <laughs> I really like because, like, I like it when it's also not like a Bob Dylan reissue where it's like. 17 albums of just outtakes and shit that are just for like boomers who are just bored <laughs> it's like nah this is just for like the zoomers who have nothing also who are bored but are also just like kind of obsessive well, so sarah what's on yours so we didn't yeah. get to you uh, uh so when i started high school i became friends with cool people and i had to like learn really fast um and so i have like this big gaping hole of top 40 from 2004 to 2008 and I was mostly on like said the gramophone archives and like deep deep uh, like I found this I was really oh I was really into finding um the index files on websites and that's because that's where you would be able to find all the mp3s and there was a way that you could google search for index files and like so it was it was a lot of you know very traditional like animal collective and like joanna newsom but that wouldn't be the stuff that was on the mix cd it was like because that you also had to find things that your friends hadn't heard before which can be very difficult um so that's yeah <laughs> right yeah, I guess the question sort of expanded into what did you listen to? Sorry, school, which I, is, I think is good. I think is good. <laughs> Sorry, I, I love that little detour because like this sort of thing is like uh, its own sort of social practice. And I'm wondering, like, um, you know, with the death of the um, like record and CD store like that happened in all in our lifetime, um, is is there is there space for um like some some sort of like you know i think there's always going to be an economy around like music reviews and perhaps like if if say like this more like ethical like library system took over the like spotify algorithm curation maybe it then um like curation and and playlists and stuff could be the thing that's monetized in these areas and they're like kind of the new like record store where everything's curated by who owns the record store but like because that is like an, an interesting thing but perhaps like it sh that should just remain in the physical realm and um i just don't know how to put that uh genie in the box now that it's like proliferated everything i know like one of your baffler the baffler piece that you talked to me for like talks we, we talked a little bit about like um the the pit one of the pitfalls of um curation uh is like content control and like especially for like podcasts and news and like shit like that it like sets a really dangerous precedent for um centrism and right-wing um agendas um and with music it 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 plays favorites like one of the things you talk about in your new piece is perhaps um putting a cap on already popular artists or something like that how like do you want to talk more about that yeah well one thing that i think is is really interesting in the proposal for the american music library which is the proposal for a taxpayer 
funded um, government operated streaming service discussed in the piece is that it the proposal suggests like you know the creation of a streaming service where there's no curation at all no recommendations no discovery it's more just like a repository for music and also like the um development of a new royalty system where um there's like a cap almost kind of like a maximum wage that um artists can get paid out of it um which i think is a really interesting um suggestion uh i don't like i think that in terms of the the various proposals discussed in the piece the one that um in like the the li library streaming programs that i discussed so in the piece also talks about how um there are these libraries all over the country and in canada that have um started running like local local specific streaming programs through the library where like library card holders can download mp3s and anyone can stream music and um at least in one of these um library streaming programs that where i've spoken to some of the folks involved with it i did a piece for montez press radio in january where i spoke to um some people who were involved in uh, a chapel hill public library run streaming site called tracks music library and they have like different people from the local music scene involved in um curating mixes and it's also a little bit different like artists have to apply to be in the library and then actually everything in the library is like curated to an extent um and the artists are all paid uh honorarium they're paid 200 dollars, which is you know in the grand scheme of things i think some people would say um not a lot of money but actually like compared to like literally nothing that some artists get from streaming services i think it actually um you know it all is relative but i, I think it actually is somewhat meaningful it's a start um, it's a start and like all of this has come to the fore as uh, you know during the pandemic where the music industry has collapsed um and um you know it was slowly getting more and more difficult to tour i would say i don't know what, what your perspective on that is liz um to like turn a profit from touring um but now it's um straight up impossible so um it is a really um fruitful time for music organizing and maybe um we should kind of pivot to talking about how musicians are organizing right now um and um especially in this moment it's very very clear to people like look we lost a year of income like and um and i don't know if you want to talk about like specific numbers like um uh federal arts funding you say in the piece like is like 50 cents per artist and then two cents per musician or something if you do like the math um yeah that was drawing on some numbers from 2016 because that was like the most recent that i could could find but yeah I, I feel like, in, so in this article, I sort of talk about the idea of, um, you know, government funded streaming projects or like publicly, locally funded, um, public democratized streaming services. He sort of like unpacks like various ideas for how to like not just incorporate public funding, but also to include like um, democratization of these platforms, like in general. And um, it, I talk about how like this would ultimately be, you know, the most interesting if we think of it as part of the bigger picture need for increased 
arts funding on a federal, state, public level, as well as like the in the bigger picture of like all of like cooperative alternatives that have popped up, um, you know, internationally. Um, uh, it's kind of like part of these bigger picture shifts. Um, and yeah, I, I think the last, the past year has really like, you know, demonstrated how badly thinking about alternatives is, and also, um, how musicians need to organize. There's been so much musician organizing that has happened, um, the past year between like the music workers Alliance existed before the pandemic, I believe, but it seems like, you know, has been, um, uh, very active over the past year and then new groups like the Union of Musicians and Allied Workers and um, there's also a group called like the I believe it's called the New Music Organizing Caucus that exists and there's the Musicians Union UK and like AFM and like yeah David probably could yeah. check other groups too yeah I mean the yeah I mean you mentioned like like a lot of them but um there there especially I guess like in New York City or there's been like a, a number of it because like the Musician Workers Alliance has actually like been recently like basically fighting for like a state bill that'll sort of have like actually like public funding for for like music works and so I don't know what the status of that bill is it's like one of the many bills that are trying to get passed in the New York State like state house this year but like they actually have a bill that basically is like trying to just do directly increasing like funding for like funding for musicians and then also i guess like one other like probably like slightly more local thing that people that musicians and they have been working around was um the open culture bill in new york city basically figuring out how to reopen culture which is really i i, I don't know i guess like when like the last i heard of it it seems to like and maybe Liz, maybe if you knew a little more it still seemed really like up in the air where like reopening culture is going to look like i i obviously like museums and a number of things have to have have reopened but obviously theaters and music and stuff have it hasn't reopened and even though cuomo just basically said that oh yeah sports can happen again there's still no like real word on when music can so i think it's like people still trying to figure out how all that's going to return because it seems one that it was like one of the first things to kind of go and is also seemingly one of the things people care like the least about figuring out how to do and how to do safely or whatever yeah um yeah which is fucking bullshit and like <laughs> like you know what did we have uh we had amy klobuchar fighting for the music now <laughs> yeah no that was well yeah that was another thing at the national level recently was like the save our stages act which was which is really a wide coalition of chuck schumer the guy from lcd sound system <laughs> amy klobuchar and Basically, also the Spotify, the board of directors or board of advisors. Yeah, all, yeah, like like oh YouTube, God. like YouTube, Spotify, like basically the entire. I mean, it was kind of cool in a way. Was that the entire music industry basically was like, oh yeah, we have to save like the small businesses. Like we can't have venues go under, and which is. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't want any venues to, more venues, more venues to go. Mm -hmm. I actually got an email from, a, from like, a recently opened, like, electronic space that basically was like, do you want us to become a WeWork? And I was like, oh, God, that's <laughs> Brutal really headline. But, like, that's also, like, I get it. Like, if you're, like, not going to have shows anytime soon, yeah, what are you going to do with this space when, like, the city, again, is not really providing anything or the state's providing anything, like, for you? So, yeah, there's, like, the Save Our Stages Act, which is, like, definitely helping, but it's still pretty dire for a lot of the to, live. To bring it back space. to New yeah. York State, I'm wondering, like, because like, 
our last episode, we talked to Jenny Dub now, who's like talking about artist studios um, and um, talking about funding, more funding for, for all of the, uh, you know, out of work uh, artists, like it's all related. Like to me, like it's like, there's all of these things that need public funding and Cuomo is refusing to budge on a wealth tax. Um, and like, I guess I need to talk to a fucking politics person, but like, it feels like there's all these bills that could fund all this stuff, like the uh, Wall, uh, Wall Street transfer tax and, um, whatever else, like, like, you know, giving everybody the fucking checks and then like taxing the rich for it later. Like, it's like, mm. there's any number of things. Yeah. Well, <laughs> So this Thursday, the Music Workers Alliance is um, hosting a rally outside of Cuomo's office that is in support of the WPA New York State Bill, which would create jobs and funding for musicians and artists. And that is um, co-presented or part of the Invest in Our New York Act. So it's all kind of like tied to this like broader... Right coalition of advocating for taxing the rich and funding communities and i think i mean david and, and i have like worked on some oh, yeah. stuff. i think it's a really important moment for musicians and artists to sort of like get involved in um uh, advocating for candidates in the city council race this year who are um interested in stuff like taxing the rich and funding yeah communities yeah, especially because like the I don't know, like the arts in like in in the city, like there's so like so like for my district, basically the person that I'm pretty sure is gonna win city council is like the son of like a former like sort of like someone who like basically was like ha like used to being like in the like in like the music industry and stuff. And I'm just like, Oh, yeah, like we actually probably should make sure people actually care about any of these things. These are things that basically and Liz and Liz has has have written about this before, but it's like music is so devalued in this in the city especially new york city especially and i just even think of this like so today bobby schmurder was just like released and like the and, and like he basically sort of kicked off like brooklyn drill this like whole right. subgenre and but it's wild to me that like pop smoke who was like one of the biggest artists who was like killed last year but couldn't even play in new york city and it's like okay yeah like the city and that's in like 2020 like 2019 it's like there are still artists bo like born and like we were okay, from like like mf play. doom was deported like yeah like it's insane insane yeah we don't like there's like a very i mean it's like not i mean folks obviously can like can point out like many examples of it, but it's like even now when it seems like oh yeah folks care about the art or like democ or you can point out all like the D democrats like like connections with hollywood like Obama having the Spotify podcast, Mayor Pete having an Amazon show. It's still like very much for only certain kinds of folks and certain kinds of people even get that kind of like Hollywood or like special access where like regular artists and like and more like just actually working class folks are not given that op option. Yeah. In the in the IRL space, has there been any I know uh, pandemic besides pandemic, the DIY space truly is there any hope for that? Do you guys think coming in the future are things going to get in any way? I don't know. There's, it's not, I'm just like, where do we have? For shows in New York. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Just worse articulated question. Well, um, you know, because we've been talking about the online space a lot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, 
I think like something that's important to recognize, like, and this is not just for music, but just generally, like, I think a big conversation over the past year has been like, yes, like we need like relief, but also like things were so messed up before this too. Um, and I feel like when I think about like venues in New York City, like it was already like impossible for underground venues, like even before the past year. So thinking about like what stages have been saved and like what venues, like, like music industry efforts people are rallying for and stuff like that, like, you know, um, even, beyond all of that like there's always been and for a long time like it's been really hard to run in a small music venue in New York like in 2017 I think it was there was like some sort of music industry survey that the city of New York did where they found that like 20 percent of small venues had closed in the city in like recent years like it's mm. it's really hard to run a small venue um given the circumstances of new york city yeah, i don't know about you liz but i mean i do kind of know about you but like mm -hmm. the when um when like like during during the pandemic when like things are closing i'm just like completely numb to everything because it's just like this is the existence like like get like it's like maybe this oh they whole... closed like three years before they would have anyway that yeah. Kind of stuff? yeah 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 mm -hmm. that sort of cynicism oh and... we lost six months <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. like it was it was bad i mean maybe it's good like maybe this is my little accelerationist brain going off again but the you know it's good maybe it wakes people up to, to what they care about is being affected um and yeah i'm constantly thinking about like how like all like this is an across ideological lines like this this idea of small businesses because there's always a small business that's important to somebody um but it's like you know there it's um the the ones with lobbying power seem to just rise to the top it's like um w what we got this like nightmare where's the nightmare what are they up to where are oh, they? Yeah, oh yeah, stamping licenses. Oh wait, for two seconds I thought you said nightmare, it was like a bad dream. I was like, oh yeah, well, yeah. But also the nightmare. <laughs> no, that is like a literal position we have in New York City, and that is a great question. Where is our night? Like, the, the yeah. is it just like a ceremonial? I'm just like, what are you? And just the disparity of how much uh, these people care about bars over any. I don't know. It has never been worse for straight edge. <laughs> straight edge rights. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Just like this is the future. Like this is like um, even without the pandemic. Like I feel like this way with housing organizing too. It's like, yeah, this was a crisis. This has always been a crisis. Um, the things that we love are they're being stripped away by this system and you know um the the light is organizing um <laughs> yeah i'm yeah i mean i think that goes back to why liz started talking about like wanting to write more about alternatives because otherwise you just sort of keep sort of saying this thing is bad mm -hmm. and then it's like well, how do you fix it and it's like okay 
and then it's like, oh, well, maybe we should try to fix the broken thing of like these big companies or whatever. And like certainly, so like in the UK right now, at least music, the UK Parliament is like investigating the digital economy and all the stuff that's happening in music right now. And I actually think they could do some good stuff because they have some unions and, and folks are really pushing for it. But still, like whatever stuff that they do do, ultimately, it'd probably still be better if they had more of the alternative that Liz was sort of suggesting. Like if there were actually more like things that were like backed by the gov, like backed by the government or supported by the government. And also, I mean, this is something that I've mentioned in the in like our, the art and labor discord, which folks should check out and should, should check out. Um, yeah. Is that like there are like company like there are so many companies right now that basically exist just to buy up like music publishing and song rights. And like one of the biggest ones, like this this company called the Hypnosis Songs Fund, and like one of their backers was the Church of England. So it's like okay, like there is money out there that is just going into private hands to invest into like what could be public goods, like public, just music well, being public. The new hymns are going to be amazing. They're going to be <laughs> show stopping. They're going to be mass stopping. <laughs> But yeah, David, yeah. thank yeah. you for reminding me of that, because that is like a really pressing thing is like, this is something that we see across kind of like art and media industries is the role of private equity. Um, and uh, it's really confusing topic. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't want to like get super in the weed. But basically, the very short rundown is that songs so like songs have like recordings and publishing, which is like a song, right? Like the stuff, like the lyrics and stuff that actually get written. And on the publishing side, basically, there are like a dozen different firms. Some of them backed by private equity. Some are backed by like pension, like teacher pension funds, cop pension funds. Some are just backed by people or like publicly traded, but they're basically buying up song rights. So like for like millions of dollars. So like if you listen to like your fate, like so I think like who's a recent example, like Shakira like sold off her like publishing. So what this means in the app in the after if you listen to a Shakira song, instead of her getting paid for like part of that, it'll be going to this company backed by the Church of England. And like that's what's happening. Well at and, least it's not it could be the Catholic Church. I mean one uh, of the one of the groups like one of the groups was like the Carlisle group bought out like no. was gonna help buy out um Taylor Swift's like recordings. So I think but that may be like that, that feels oh, no, like a parody. Also, no, but then also one of the others, like the Blackstone, like no, it was Black Rock and oh. Black and the Blackstone group were also like involved in this. Which is different groups. from Blackwater, which I always confuse the three. <laughs> but that reminds me of a podcast I listened to a long time ago with Liz on it. And you were describing the algorithmic bands, I believe, that were like created just like people that don't exist. Just, you know, that type well, of. I was probably talking about David's research on this topic of oh, yeah. fake artists. Oh, yeah. Epidemic Sounds, which is like this company that is like library music that like they basically Spotify, I guess allegedly, 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 Spotify was using to like populate their playlist which is one of the reasons why i stopped using spotify i never was a big spotify user but like i used to use it years ago but when i realized this i was like oh wait that means these playlists basically are like not it was basically like discovering meat isn't meat and <laughs> it was like oh yeah i'm not gonna listen to these playlists because they have like not music on them and that's weird it's yeah, like that, the opposite of okay. horse ebooks yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so scary. The, the the one that like me and um Joey, the producer of this show, Joey's always been a proponent of like um DIY internet sort of stuff. He was a very much like an index um 
MP3 person and always provides his own download link in addition to the streaming services. OK.Glass. I will plug Joey's new album. It's very good. Um, but it's a Joey's, great website, too. <laughs> Joey's obsessed with this guy, Moltern Media, um, who uh, gamed Spotify really, really early by making a birthday song for every single name. Yes. I've, I've seen that. I've used that. Yeah. No, and it's not just in like, he has different styles. So he has like a rock style, happy birthday, or like a reggae style, happy birthday for every single name. It's actually, go look it up. It is like, it's great. I think that rocks. Yeah. That's a great grift. Is <laughs> happy birthday in the public domain now? Now it is, but this was like, I think a little before that happened or, you know, like in addition. Artistic. Or, you know, it wasn't exactly by adding the name like Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he might have done it before Spotify too, I, if, like on YouTube and shit. I know there's always like a, there's like always an interesting story about why you never hear "Happy Birthday" saying in movies or something because it's not a public domain song, or it wasn't. It's so there was that corporation documentary. It was like we could not buy the rights to the Happy Birthday <laughs> song, so it was just stock footage of like a candle being blown out <laughs> with like the silence and they're like this the corporations have robbed you of hearing the happy birthday song i mean topical I mean, sorry so to real. yeah go ahead yeah go no ahead. i mean like the, the fact that more songs aren't in the public domain is really fucked up like that's one of i mean that's why i keep mentioning the church of england investing into song because it's like okay if that's happening if the money flows are going that way then like can the new york state pension fund just invest into like the new like the artists of new york state's catalog so if i want to sample an old rap song or disco track i don't have to pay a hundred thousand dollars it's like cool the state's mm -hmm. good with it like I, I i don't know if like legally that's even really possible this is i've been talking to like Hind like henderson hendo who like did the american music library thing about this because i'm like I feel like that should work. Like, I feel like that should be a thing that the state's like, we own your catalog. Anyone can use it. Go for yeah. it. I, I wonder how the, the fucking BBC library works, because like I was thinking about this with the Adam Curtis doc series that just came out like I kind of like oh, let a thousand Adam Curtis's bloom if we could mm -hmm. just like all have access to <laughs> the Internet Archive, which was like a dream when I first found it you know, I don't know, high school, college or whatever. Um, and then within the past year, I had that like controversy where they had the emergency library and they were, because they upload, they scan books and they put, and it's like a lot of random books. It's great. Like, honestly, there's some semiotext on there too. Um, and then, you know, this very establishment author's book was on there and he waged this war that ended up in, That's right. that ended yeah. up catalyzing a lawsuit. I kind of, you know, uh, I was always against it and I, uh, it kind of frazzled some relationships of mine. Um, but just that version, it could, because the internet archive on it had an option where if your book was there, you could request that it would be taken down. It would be down within like 24 48 hours but instead they catalyzed this lawsuit to set some you know terrible precedent forthcoming um so that's what this like american music library reminds me of but in this way with these protections um yeah. i think also probably there's like some untapped potential for how musicians could um and labels and people involved in music communities could make better use of the internet archive too that's like something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Like, why don't more people just put their records on the internet archive? <laughs> I, 
I know someone who it's the only place where he's put his face on the internet <laughs> is deep into some internet archive videos. Well, I don't know, it's a great. I think that it's because you could. It's a great way to like transfer files. I mean, and I guess you're just uploading them, and they're there forever. You can't really take them down, but yeah. But it, like, kind of in the spirit of what, um, I think I think David was saying how like you know you wish bands had more interesting websites. Like you know, there's so many more interesting things that musicians could do on the internet. Like with some more creativity, and don't want to also gloss over this like there are people who do interesting things with their personal websites um for sure it's something that i feel like has been like um i've been like very much like on the lookout for recently when i see some well, let's let's websites. go back to tumblr talk what was good about tumblr what worked about tumblr <laughs> you know, i just I, I just yesterday posted on my tumblr being like this is the end of my tumblr it's been real like oh, <laughs> or whatever yeah. um, but just because I'm like, I don't know what to do with it anymore, you know? I, I never could grasp with the cha the chaos of it. Like, I was always, I tried to, you know, since its inception. Yeah. I would look at, like, Molly Sodas and be like, this is cool, but I can't, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, the, 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 the new one is NeoCities, I think. Archive. Yeah, I just changed mm. my website from Tumblr to NeoCities literally, mm. like, yesterday. That's so or no. a couple of days ago, over the weekend or whatever. I'm, I'm the web art one. I, I know. <laughs> I can yeah. sense it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm going to say, I like, I guess one thing I liked about Tumblr, there's a lot of like fun music. I don't know, there are a lot of fun music subcommunities on Tumblr, which always like was kind of cool. A lot of music writers used to be on Tumblr. I think that's was... how we met. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's how I met like so many people honestly that's probably why i'm here is because of tumblr in some very like big way um but i really but i really like that and also one thing i kind of liked about i liked about tumblr if it also was hard to know how big someone was which i guess feels like a little random but it's like i had no idea how popular or how much engagement someone got i could see like how many likes they got but likes were kind of like hit or miss and it wasn't like super like I could kind of like tell and I kind of and I kind of like that it's somewhat like my own Twitter account where it's like my my own Twitter is private but I've had it for I guess nine years like nine years it's like the people that follow me on at Twitter at this point I'm like I think it's mostly just like people who are actual friends and then just weirdos who've been following me the last couple of years and I'm always like I don't know why y'all <laughs> just started following but like welcome to this weird thing I guess I think one thing that worked about it was its archive feature um including the way it archived likes um which is not something we get access to really um with most social media of the the exact order of which things were liked and reblogged where you could literally trace where who picked up your thing and where it went um and like to me i was like oh somebody likes this and um, a bunch of my friends like them and like in I kind of felt like I was doing that tracing work myself instead of like like there was some light like there was some curation aspects to it but um, it's like mostly go like tags are encouraged to go through um, where you meet a bunch of people in the tags it's kind of like a it's a fandom community like sifting through stuff yeah. yeah. Find it difficult to find stuff to sift through. And 
I think like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, just to, I would say that's not the plug where I work, but that's one reason I do like SoundCloud because we haven't ex yet um, gotten rid of how likes work, where you can still go through people's likes. Like that's one of the ways that I found a lot of new music is just seeing what other, what they've liked and sort of being like, oh, cool. You've liked 300 songs, that's 300 new songs by an artist that I like, like and I want to like check out what you, what you also enjoy. I mean, that was like also a classic way to find good people on Twitter back when Twitter was worthwhile. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some there's some things that work, but of course like those aren't monetizable at the same time. So it's like okay. Tumblr had to change because um they don't really want people looking back. They want people constantly refreshing. Exactly. That's yeah, that's that's what I was going to say about like there's even when like yesterday okay and i were in the discord looking for anime music videos and like there's no way to search for videos from a certain year there's only a way to search for videos from the past month day or this year like it's all being set up to just completely collapse history i'm sorry about my cat <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so bleak that's so true though <laughs> And, and, and one of the worst things about YouTube is um, when you save a video and then it's gone. And then there's no trace of what that video was. Nope. <sighs> yeah, Just chilling. That, that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why I, there could always be a better YouTube. It's like, I just... I like one of my like complaints is, is like I understand why this is why this is like this, but I just wish all music videos were like in HD on YouTube. Like, mm -hmm. I understand that Record labels are not going to invest any of the money into doing it. It's not going to be worth the payout because they get paid so shitty from YouTube anyway. But I would just like to say, again, be cool to say like, hey, this was something that was part of popular culture that was very popular and we should be able to enjoy it. Not as if it is 1984, like, but like in a format that actually is vaguely visible. I guess this is probably something that like more film people complain about with a lot of stuff, but I don't care, watch I movies. Mean, yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, and especially like the 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 film nerd torrent sites that are arguing about, you know, whether, you know, you know the VHS transfers through whatever. It also reminds me of the Museum of Television and Radio that I would go to as a child and watch, um, you know, old Degrassi that I couldn't get a hold of, and how. Uh, I guess that's like an establishment way of archiving the stuff that I'm unsure is happening now as, um, you know, who knows how much they care about their own archive, you know, people just yeah. cycling through that company. Yeah. I mean, I want to say too, like, like, um, somebody who could have been our governor, if we were a little more, uh, with it, um, uh, what is Zephyr teach out. And I like the way that Zephyr teach out, she's like a legal scholar, um, frames uh, uh, tech, um, tech platforms. She frames them as unaccountable governing bodies. Um, so cool. <laughs> so like, that's, um, that's something we joke it's about. It's true. <laughs> I think it's, but like, like, who, who would be the music czar who would be? <laughs> <laughs> the music star it's flea from red hot chili peppers the only good celebrity and the only no he's not the only he's the only good celebrity I feel Titus, like I... you have 24 hours to respond 
that is like the one sort of thing that if we did get actual more federal government like backing of music as like an in like assuming they take music as an industry rather than like, as liz has pointed out correctly maybe not thinking of it more in the cultural space but if it was music as an industry it'd probably someone it'd probably like someone like exec, an exec from youtube or something or like mm -hmm. like lucian grange like the head the ceo of universal music group that's what it'd probably be, and he'd be like that's oh, yeah, where politicians this... are now so yeah that's... and that yeah they'd be like yeah this is going to be the person that's going some to make capitalist realism is going on here <laughs> think outside the bun come on flee right. flee flee let's go yeah flee he's great <laughs> Just imagine Flea next to Joe Biden. Uh, <laughs> oh, but yeah, I just got uh, algorithms of oppression um, that I have begun to start about that, uh, which is the Safia Noble. Oh uh, yeah, about the how it's it's these. Uh, what is the phrase? Governing un unaccountable, gov unaccountable, unaccountable governing, governing bodies, and just the baked in. Uh, code and everything uh, that is just so fucked over. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, these systems are baked. The racism baked into them. Horrifying. The class, <laughs> the class I teach starts with reading Safia Umoja Noble. Oh, that's great. Ooh. Uh -huh. Wait, what's this class? Come on. Oh. Um, we don't have to talk about it too. I teach a music media class at NYU. It's oh. like a music writing oh. and emergent media class. Hell yeah. But yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. Well, what are like the more like, you know, personal projects that you're working on? Um, I know you have a newsletter coming out with your sister who's um, also a great writer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because there, I feel like it re relates back with like a bunch of different things that we have talked about or that um, we've covered the, so far. But yeah, so my sister and I, um, my sister Jen, she also is a music journalist, um, music writer, music critic. And um, we had an idea like two years ago to start an email newsletter that was just track reviews. So it's just to do an email newsletter that's just like reviews of songs. Um, and because of um, my interests, I was like, oh, like, let's do a newsletter, but not use a newsletter platform and just like figure out a way to do it where it's just like, you know, people just PayPal us and then we just like add them to an email group or something. But I, I like posted online about it and ended up um, in conversation with um, our friend Jesse, um, Jesse Von Doom, who used to run Cash Music or used to be one of the people behind Cash Music, which was this like amazing organization that provided free open source tools to artists to distribute their work directly to their fans without any like, you know, corporate middlemen or whatever. And um, so he's been working on this new project that's basically like a tool that um, will also be free and open source for anyone to use that. Um, allows artists or musicians or writers to create like recurring subscriptions, um, but there's no platform involved. It's basically just like this tool that connects payment processor to like a very simple interface where you like can log in and basically send an email to everyone who is subscribed. Um, so 
yeah, our newsletter so is an independent open source platform that's outside of the existing um, process or not processors. It, it probably uses an existing processor, but like platforms. Yeah, it basically like doesn't involve a platform or a database or anything. Um, we're using this thing called Braintree for the payment for the to process the payments, which is um, part of PayPal. So like, you know, um, haven't yet figured out a way to like escape like, you know, payment processors. But um, uh, all the freaks will tell you fucking NFT. That's what they'll <laughs> tell you. That's yeah, but new wave. Yeah. But so we're do doing that, but, um, you know, there's a lot of things about it that I personally find to be really exciting, especially like just the simplicity of it. Um, uh, I, I really like, you know, I haven't used Substack, but um, I am given, you know, conversations I've seen around it. I imagine that it's the sort of thing where like when writers use it, they're given information about like, who opens your emails, like what links they click on, like which emails perform better than other emails, which just recalls like so many of the, I don't know. It's just like not something that I personally would like want to deal with. So I, I really like how um, that all is like currently, at least in the way we're using it, like um, that's cut out of it. So yeah, anyway, our newsletter is launching next week. It's called Cryptophasia and um, everyone should check it out i'm also really excited okay so um it's a newsletter people can subscribe to it using um jesse's tool that he has created which is called substation um and uh in addition to that i also um i taught myself like some some basic um html code which you know everyone's favorite hobby and um i made this link that's on the Cryptophasia homepage. And if you click it, it just gives you like a random, it just takes you a random Bandcamp recommendation out of like everything we've reviewed. I used oh, that, cool. I used wow. that link and it was delightful. Oh, I was really excited for it. Cool. Like, that's so cool. Do you find anything good? Uh, I didn't actually have time to listen to it because <laughs> I was like on my phone, you know, a link from, you know, your sister's Instagram. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, so it was like too many things but i just love the randomization of stuff another thing about the mp3 library is just putting shuffle on mm. yeah yeah totally so i i feel like um yeah that's something i'm excited about and i think i don't know i just like the idea of like click here for a random recommendation from like my Bandcamp links um that seems like a way of giving someone a music recommendation that is kind of fun and not creepy you know? Yeah. It's also yeah. it's not like tailored to your like based on what wigs you were looking at on Etsy. <laughs> it's Do also you wanna cool buy the same fucking chair you just bought? We have four different ones. Now I need a whole set of rolling office chairs. Also the randomization I like because it's stressed to me that you're paying for uh, the expertise and the knowledge and stuff like that and the curation of it. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at before. Like, there's something there. Like, I can appreciate, as a librarian type person, yeah. I can appreciate that type of work. Like a hand-picked curation versus a... So you've been on Etsy, Etsy and we saw these wigs that you saw. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, I mean, libraries do curation all the time. That's like, mm -hmm. that's like one of the things that, like, it's funny, like, the Hendersons at the American Music Library, like, 
explicitly rejects curation and just sort of has music as a repository. But like the cool thing, and I guess this goes back to the to the um the like the local city library that just hey we curated this with the community of, of artists that we were working with, and like so little about new about big about sort of the bigger music industry operates at that level where it's like hey there are a few people that are, that are working within like a band of like a dozen a few dozen or like a hundred artists and that's like the community and it's like much smaller and much more manageable and way more like actually like personable rather than sort of being like oh yeah these ten thousand people all listen to these three tracks so maybe you'll like this other song or something yeah because when you have like the archive to work with you can actually the curation means something instead of you know a Spotify playlist where it's like, so you have to use these ones and then don't use these ones. And it's, you know, yeah, an, an event, not an actual artistic curation. So uh, the, yeah, go ahead, Sarah. Sorry. Sorry. No, <laughs> no, just, I was going to say that like the, um, it's one of those things that I feel like it's, it's assumed that because like an algorithm can do it and because it can do it for free instead of paying a librarian, it like, it, it sidesteps as like, yes, it might be more effective, but like literally, why do we have technology if not to like make our lives better and do fun stuff? <laughs> and that's that's all I was going to. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. I just wanted to say like an event from history that we reference on Art and Labor a lot is um, the open hearing that the Art Workers Coalition had in uh, the late 60s, early 70s, where one of uh, like Lisa Lepard or one of them had this idea of um, just expanding libraries um, so that um, every museum is um, there's museums are libraries now and there's like a million of them and like yeah. that could be applied to the music venue as well and that could be part of the library repository especially like you know to support these like local nodes and local scenes it's kind of like book chinian if you're going to get theoretical about it but um <laughs> but, <laughs> i think yeah. it's interesting yeah i mean also i don't know maybe i'm i'm sure some venues must have solid like video archives and stuff like that so combining that there's the library with... i mean here in new york there's the lincoln center library which yeah. is like the um art library um, yeah, it's like, who the so, fuck wants to go all the way to fucking Manhattan? It should be in my fucking hey, backyard. Let's all calm down with the <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Manhattan. No, it sucks. This is the worst borough. <laughs> There's some cool music stuff in the Brooklyn Public Library, too. There's a musical instrument lending library. Yes. Public yes, library. Yeah. That I wrote an article about for She Shreds a couple of years ago, if anyone wants to read up on it. And there's also a recording studio there that anyone can rent. And it's usually used for podcasts from, I mean, at the time I did the interview, it was like two years ago. But bands can also sign up for the, when, I don't know, I doubt currently it is, um, you know, being used because of COVID. But um when it is safe to do so. When I interviewed the librarians in the music department at BPL, they said that band, bands do uh, record there sometimes, which I think is really cool. Yeah, the public access media is amazing too. Like public access television is an yeah. amazing resource. And like the thing is like, um, it's just, we need more of them. We need to have them in every single neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. I was listening to WBAI on like this radio that 
Well, I guess my friend got me only because she thought it was something else. So, um, but I've been listening to WBAI, and they actually mentioned the Music Workers Alliance like um, protest that's happening, and I was like, oh yeah, that's like Ooh. one of the good things about having like a like slightly <laughs> radical like like ra- local radio station. They'll like they'll they'll announce like the local protest happening against Andrew Cuomo. That's awesome. and that's on, on Thursday, and Thursday. like you get to yell at fucking Cuomo, which feels great. Can't recommend it enough. I I wake up to WBAI it's a delight I have to recommend setting your clock radio to it and they'll have any I remember waking up to an interview with a touring musician whose name I forget and don't know yeah they're directly talking about that and just like I am uh delighted when like something as simple as radio is bringing up things I'm, you know, just, I feel like uh, we're all becoming grandmothers who are like, <laughs> I saw something interesting on PBS, but like, <laughs> Frontline PBS has done some really great stuff. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. No. Can I, I get an F in the chat? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> not to bother, but like, uh, I've listened to the radio so much this year and like, yes. That we have like good radio in New York City and like, Democracy Now every morning is on the yeah. radio. Yeah, I like I don't know. I just like uh, have yeah BAI, but like KCR, WNYU, like you know. Yeah, I, also- I mean, it's too bad that they're fucking getting you know encroached on by po- private equity and yeah. like the most evil scumbags right. in the world. Well, but it's a review bra. Um, <laughs> from youtube who's like a gift um he's really into shortwave radio and i've been meaning uh to check that out if you guys want to go in on bringing (laughs) shortwave radio i mean he's bringing it back but we could yeah okay i don't know who's behind this but i've been really into this thing have you guys used this thing radio garden it's like a globe and you can just like click anywhere on the globe Like, like, oh, South America. And then you, like, zoom in, and then you just, like, click on radio stations, and they just play. That's so cool. Paraguay, cool. I don't know who's behind it, so, like, it could be, like, there. there's ads on it. Oh, sorry. It's like... <laughs> no, put, play it louder. <laughs> also, WBAI will sometimes have, like, truly uh what's the word wild interviews about i don't know just some real weird shit going on at like mid-afternoon that's the thing that like i i fell into like these sorry this is very unrelated but i fell into like these like youtube channels of like random black radicals who are just like clearly just random college professors that have youtube channels i love that and shit. that shit is all so 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 good because it is very much kind of like Oh yeah, this normally you're kind of like would normally be like a, like a radio prank, but because it's because of YouTube, you're now the host, and that I really really yeah. like actually. And that's like again something that I'm sure we're probably in a different time zone, like maybe 50 years ago, they probably had an actual radio station when there actually were again smaller, like more independent radio stations out there instead of just having your small YouTube channel. Yeah, the yeah, pivot. You mean the Hegel pivot from radio? Like the, <laughs> the uh the pivot from from radio to video essay. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I, I love the That's radio. where we're at with talk radio, like the lefty talk radio, I think is like all on YouTube and podcasts now. And I mean, this has kind of been a local podcast for local people, but like <laughs> it is, we do have a very diverse audience, <laughs> but 
Um, yeah, before we totally wrap, like David, you know, Penny Fractions, what else you uh, got going on? Um, Penny Fractions, which which is on the newsletter platform Revy, which was recently bought by Twitter, which is oh. tells me that it's going to be here forever. It's going to be here for centuries, <laughs> centuries of newsletters. Um, Library beyond, of Congress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Next um, to beyond, yeah, beyond that, um, not, I've been trying to do way, 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 way less. That's been sort mm. of like my like 2021 thing for a minute. But I have been doing some volunteering for the Tax the Rich campaign for NYC DSA. So last week and I was like putting up door hangers in Williamsburg. I got one guy that like I handed it to him and then he just like immediately ripped it up, which is kind of tight. Um, it was basically said like tax the rich and cancel rent. And he just was like cancel rent. No. And just, just ripped it up immediately in my face. Landlord. <laughs> That it, 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 it kind of owned. <laughs> Wait, could I, that uh, my brother was uh, phone banking a few months ago, you know, against Cuomo. And he was like, I called someone who was like eating peanuts, like forcing them in his mouth. And I was like explaining like, you know, Cuomo wants to do whatever. And the guy threw the peanuts was like, no, that doesn't sound like Cuomo. <laughs> that doesn't sound like him at all. I was gonna, yeah, and then, but also there were like a couple, there were like these couple people that were just like work, they were just like doing some construction work who saw Attack the Rich and were like, oh yeah. And then another guy was like, oh wait, what is there? And he was like, oh yeah, I also like that. And I was like, okay, that kind of, um, I guess that's like the one thing I, why I wanted to like do the door hanging because I've done some phone banking. It's just that I really miss like actually like doing some stuff where I meet people and it's like, I have no idea what they're going to say. Like, that's really cool. And I very much sort of miss that. And phone banking yes. is kind of like that, but at least being IRL, there is like a, I mean, I seen the guy like rip it in front of my face was like, oh, well, that sucks. But you like made a decision to do that in front of me. That's kind of cool. If so. any um, of my Ridgewood fam is listening, we're doing an outreach thing on Sunday with, uh, we got a bunch of those door hangers from, we're in coalition. And the, um, we also have our own outreach that we're doing. And I think when this episode drops, our, our, anti-Bob Holden media campaign will have dropped that I've been oh, on, which is like, um, it's this really fucked up situation. It's probably of interest to like even not New York people, but like, yeah, basically what happened was um, the the teachers union UFT endorsed Bob Holden, um, which is really, really fucked up because he is a overt racist that has um, whipped up like violent extreme rhetoric against um homeless folks and immigrants and is uh his his constituency includes like you know the proud boy from queens that recently got busted for like illegal arms hoarding and you know just the most delightful people on the planet over here um that and the teachers union endorsed uh him and uh you know, partially because the teachers union is so inundated with bullshit right now that they don't actually have time to go over these endorsements and look into it in proper detail. So they just kind of uh, flew it under the radar lot, like at the tail end, you know, um, you know, that, oh, and then also that's it's like probably a probably not like a vote that they had with everybody in the <laughs> union, you know, it was like, the five guys who haven't actually worked as a teacher for 20 years and uh but it's extremely yeah i mean that's like a huge pitfall with union organizing is like if people aren't on the ball with um this shit it can really undermine the union's credibility yeah. frankly yeah. 
but that's also all orgs and things. Like if people aren't involved yeah. with it, it's not really a thing. It's not really a thing. I mean, churches, like any kind of like org, like community groups, even it's like if you can't get people to actually like show up, then it's not really a yeah. thing. It's just a name, yeah. unfortunately. And a lot of unions are like that. No one wants a construction workers you. No one wants that to, the construction workers union to happen to their union. <laughs> oh, God. Well, it's yeah, it's classic like union like like labor aristocracy like bullshit like resting on laurels once they get some wins like it it's it's one of the I mean it's 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 part of why austerity happens is because like de the deradicalization effect of like you you're content now, everyone chill out, and then they'll pull the rug out right from under you the moment you let your guard down. Well, I think it's also like right now, um, I, I hate to talk about it in terms of like generations, but like most of the people who are kind of making most of the calls in unions are much older, and especially with these like skilled trades kind of stuff. Um, and like I was talking to someone yesterday who who was like, well, you know, the, the unions in France right now uh, are, are super radical, but they're all headed by like people in their 30s or 40s. So, and I think like that's, you know, that, that time is coming where those people are gonna have to retire. Um, sorry, I'm just gonna put my mic on mute now. <laughs> no, the cat sounds great. The oh, cat no, is don't contribute. Oh yeah, no. Stop <laughs> okay, there's, but there's nothing else that was Cancel culture that, run like, amok. Yeah. The, <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Uh, I, I mean, that's basically it. Like the the like unions have this like incredible. That's what's that's what's disappointing when they fuck up so bad. It's like especially something like a teachers union. Like, well, it's, yeah, it's corrupt leadership too. It's directly yeah. corrupt leadership. Yeah. It, it's like people are paid to stay in those positions. Like, frankly, like they're they're paid to not retire so that these shit can get steamrolled through. Like. If we could democratize the way the the leadership worked a little better, it would it would be a little better. I mean, like look at how the uh, Working Families Party, like rank and file versus leadership, completely split, like com like a hundred like a hundred percent split, like <laughs> like basically, <laughs> like that's <laughs> like it's just, it's just the microcosm of the entire electoral system that we're stuck with. Which reminds me, I want to give a, a big thank you to the Clinton family for, for this app that we're using. <laughs> thank you. And for all their continual work. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, uh, what was up with Joey mentioned that earlier? Is it like... Oh, yeah. I, 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 ref I, I thought OK was joking, and then I realized... I'm not joking. No. <laughs> Wait, what? So, like we were talking about before with, like, you know, the Obamas working with Spotify mm. and Netflix yeah. and shit like that. Hil Hillary Clinton and her new podcast with some other insane psycho lib pelosi 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 no. um, oh that was the, <laughs> the the that meme from the the pelosi and hillary clinton in conversation moderated by chrissy Teigen. yeah i think she it has an exclusive contract with this um service that we're using right now <laughs> yeah. riverside yeah. yeah well it sounds so natural uh, oh well. yeah we're there just like you know if if any fucking audio if fucking fools out there like have a a video and audio software that they like that records separate tracks i'm i'm thinking discord might do it but i don't know but um love to get off the hillary clinton app if possible yeah defund the clintons <laughs>
<laughs> would love a public um, recording studio, you know, if it wasn't a goddamn pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like, the, I mean, that's one thing I, w- I did want to say about that is like, there are so many different things that I feel like if we were able to like stitch them more together, we'd have a lot of more stuff like as a foundation. It's like, if we have like libraries that have like recording spaces, and we have whatever few like pu- like we do have public parks. We do have like lots of things, especially in New York City, that are owned by the public and can be used in public for public goods. It's like we actually have a lot of in- we have a lot more infrastructure here than a lot of other American places, at least. So it kind of feels like I guess that's why I very much appreciate it. Like li- like what Liz was sort of writing about in her piece that we've been talking about this entire time is that we actually have a lot of infrastructure here to do a lot of these things. We don't need to. We don't need innovation to create new things. Like, we already have a lot of these things. So, like, Mm. let's use them in the best way possible. Yeah, the issue isn't, like, scarcity. Like, uh, thinking Mm. about, like, however many times, as much as I uh, have always, you know, hated the NYU campus for what they've done to real estate, their library, I have, like, yearned for access to that. Like, if that was more of a, you know... It was like a major loss for me personally because my school was in the like consortium and mm-hmm. like I, you know, Bobes is, I just don't go to libraries anymore, honestly, because you get really spoiled on like the the massive yeah. library they have by Washington Square Park. And like, I thought that I had until graduation. And so I tried to like check out a bunch of Love and Rockets comics. It was also the only library I've ever seen that had like a fantastic comic section that wasn't just like half garfield and like you you just gotta get I, on the, the interlibrary loan kick i know i, yeah, I know yeah, i know i gotta put some effort into it i thought you were gonna say the only library that had the suicide gate <laughs> no <laughs> but they did have the suicide gate <laughs> um yeah no too many too many kids oh man maybe we should just do a whole episode on the bobst and the um the the gyro the anyway it's a great library yes everybody should i mean this has been this is this has been like yeah very very illuminating like this is like the type of things we could have if like you're listening to this not in new york city and you're like my fucking city doesn't have any of that shit then like these are things that you can very easily point to that other cities have and uh you know organize like um to get um and yeah New York City, one of the libraries in New York City will want to have a library supported streaming service to David, what we got to have who who's having that conversation? Okay, well, that's like one of the things that we're going to do this year is we're going to eventually figure out like the big goal of 2020, the big goal of 2021 is like to figure out one who can get us the New York City music streaming library. And then eventually how we can get the New York State, like, music songs fund so we can start getting some of these songs in the public domain. That's, like, our goals. Yeah, and then also, I guess, like, impeaching Cuomo and all those other fun things as well. With the library, I, like, when I, Formative was borrowing from the library the Bare Naked Ladies stunt album and the Blink-182 Enema of the State. Just want to say that... Not new for libraries, but people know that. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got a good story about like the CDs they took out of the library and like burned their computer. Oh, Darcy, I've been thinking the entire time on the show, like the past hour, I've been wanting to ask, um, what were the rare folk punk MP3s that you? Oh, shit. oh god. <laughs> I don't know if 
they were I don't know if they were rare, but uh like Johnny Hobo and the Freight Trains, um I was a big fan and then um off the top of my like so uh yeah, their recordings I remember being sparse. I think they just did like an anthology on Bandcamp and stuff like that. Uh what is it? Operation Cliff Clavit? Like I had a big uh what's the what's the record label name that I just forgot? I went from Jade Tree to uh, what uh, the Indianapolis uh, record label thing, uh, but they had stopped making. They had stopped because uh, there was so little demand for Operation Cliff Clavin, I guess. Uh, you know, in retrospect, Ghost Mice is not a great band. Oh, I shouldn't. <laughs> I'm just spiraling now. I haven't eaten. Um. I don't even know if I should say this or not, but I was like playing to Defiance, Ohio the other day. And it was like at the same time that I made this tweet with like a bunch of questions about NFTs. And I was like, wow, like I listened to Defiance, Ohio. I shouldn't be allowed to tweet about crypto art. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had my first kiss a few hours before Defiance, Ohio show. Incredible. And, uh, like, like a loft near the bridge or something. Um, they're, look, they're timeless it's funny because it's like it's 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 so cool but it's also nerdy it's like that is so fucking <laughs> yeah, also yeah no i'm not gonna I, I thought i was gonna be i thought i had to be a traveler kid because i listened to that music i was like i have i am a poser if i don't start <laughs> building my trains. bindle yeah <laughs> yeah uh thanks for circling that around uh, yeah I, I guess we didn't get a good detailed darcy answer all the darcy heads are gonna freak out about that uh, <laughs> you mean the one listener that's my boyfriend <laughs> and, and whoever made the um darcy base memes uh <laughs> like, the what? one we, we talked about on the show the one that where they turned your book into a semi <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. So <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> um, but yes, Liz, David, thank you for your time. You've, you've given us, it's been so generous. We've gone a whole half an hour over, and I hope people appreciate that shit and listen to the whole thing, because I see the fucking analytics, and people got to listen to the whole episode, <laughs> or else I'll have to break it into two parts, and who the fuck likes that? I don't know. Maybe I'm just being, maybe I should just break it into two parts. We'll figure it out. Two part cast. Yeah, two parts is fine. Yeah, maybe. Make them right. punish them. Make them sit. Give them something to really like. <laughs> think about what they've a... done. <laughs> yeah, I remember. No. Oh, I want to say. I remember when I listened to podcasts and like video game podcasts in the mid aughts. And when those would get to two hours long, because I was a loser in high school, I was so excited. It was like, oh yes. great, I have two hours with my friends to fight now. I have a YouTube playlist of youtube video essay analysis on video games that is all long form so that wait what's it called <laughs> can i get some info on this <laughs> yeah i'll send you there's a really good one that's the like dank and ropa one the no i was thinking the three hour solid snake one, or the three hour metagill star solid four three that one's classic there's a seven hour one on um death stranding that's also good but Oh my gosh. I like really long video essay. I mean, I've been watching Adam Curtis. I just finished mm. Century of the Self last night. Mm. Thought of you, Sarah. <laughs> it was so, so good. Did he, did he rag on uh, exercising? 
Yeah, there was like the yeah. Yes, there yeah, there was the and then they the the self improvement. Yes. <laughs> Adam Curtis hates working out. I like it because it's relatable. Well, oh my God. listeners, a- give us the feedback. How do you prefer it? Um, that in the future, I'll I'll adapt to whatever the fucking listeners want. <laughs> I, I'm only accountable to you guys, so you have to just tell me. Um, but yes, again, Liz, David, thank you for your time. Um, I'm just gonna end the recording. Sorry, I thought that it had ended. I would not. <laughs> Let's have fun. Lots of fun.